don't really know what I believe, and I don't think I care. Because if you have no need, you have no reason to listen to the gospel. A full-time vocational minister. <laughs> there are a lot of people who are like more progressively Christian or grew up more progressive who are able to reconcile some of those things with their faith because they're not taught the world is black or white and those are your two options. Christianity is like a Jenga tower. Once you remove the bottom, the bottom blocks, the whole thing comes crumbling down. Yeah. And, like, we're never going to understand an all-powerful deity. Hey, I'm Elijah, and you are listening to the Hopefully Wandering Podcast. Today, I'm joined with my co-host. Hey, I'm Collier. I'm the co-host of the Hopefully Wandering Podcast. As my bestie, we are just uh, two uh, ex-evangelicals, as we like to call ourselves, um, Collier and I both uh, grew up in the church, uh, went to youth group together, led worship, and uh, um, were involved in full-time and part-time ministries at the Bible College, and um, have just ended up at a deconstructed place. And uh, where that exactly lands in the forest of ideologies changes day to day, but hopefully wandering podcast, this podcast is just about our explorations of things we weren't allowed to think about, whether it's uh, philosophy, ideology other religions, uh, experiences of people who maybe were marginalized by the church. And we just like to live in the in-between in all the areas that we never got to experience when we were evangelical. So um, today, Carl, you want to introduce our guest? Yeah, today uh, we are joined by a special guest. If you've been listening for a while, you know that we love to have guests on. So uh, follow us on Instagram and stuff. Uh, for more. And if you want to be on the show, let us know. But today we have a very special guest. It is the amazing Ash. You want to introduce hey. yourself? <laughs> what up? Hey, I'm Ash. It's me. <laughs> okay. So we are joined by Ash and uh, Ash, right off the bat, uh, how about you say just a little bit, a brief like elevated pitch about who you are and then um, how you know us. And yeah. 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 So, um, Oh, goodness. I'm, I instantly just thought of my job as like my first descriptor of myself, even though it's not <laughs> if I am. You really are. Um, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, I work for a museum and I'm an artist and I am also a poet in my free time. I'm trying to get back into painting. Um, I used to do studio art in college and I had to take a break a while because I was like living in my car, bouncing from place to place. Can get into that later. Um, finally have a place now. I'm painting again been in the spoken word community for probably about a year now that's been really fun um and yeah i'm like you guys i am deconstructed <laughs> um and yeah i don't really know what else to say i feel like we'll get into it more but that's like my main bullet points of what i do i also do pottery on the side but that's more just like for fun you're so, so. artsy i love it it's like everything <laughs> besides what we did yeah, well, I was voted most artistic in high school, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, you should have left with that. That's the most important. Obviously. Oh, yeah, definitely. That high school, um, you know, stamp of approval is really what defines me. So. Oh, yeah. that I mean, that's what Elijah and I hang our hats on. That's what we define ourselves still by. Oh, so. absolutely. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. Well, fun. Yeah, so uh, Elijah and I 
we're in a band or Elijah's still in the band, I guess. And I'm not because I'm not going to go into that. <laughs> <And> <laughs> that's how Sad. we know Ash is through uh, our drummer. And yeah. so it's been awesome to get to meet her and just spend some time with her. So, yeah, that's super cool. Like how creative you are. I love that. Super artsy. <laughs> and first, before we get into more of your story, we're going to play the hot seat. Um, this is something we used to do in our youth group uh, where they would essentially torment the guest preachers to, <laughs> by giving them a lot of controversial questions or quick answer questions in something they called the hot seat and put them on the on the stand and um, try to get them to embarrass themselves or something like that. So we do our own version of that, which is more about just having fun and getting to know you rather than trying to uh, make you suffer. Um, <laughs> so are have you ever like seen that? Have you ever seen the hot seat where you were from? Yeah, um, I never got picked for it and I was always really butthurt about it. So. <laughs> Today oh, is okay. your day. <laughs> <laughs> yes day, so. okay so that's the reason that you decided to come on okay <laughs> yeah no honestly i just listened to the podcast and i was like this is my chance to get the hot seat finally <laughs> cool with the pick me energy okay i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh yeah this is just an avenue to heal my childhood wounds yes yes <laughs> it, it, it kind of is though for all of us <laughs> Honestly, kind of. <laughs> Don't <Yeah>. think. <laughs> Just let the questions wash over you. Okay. First mm -hmm. thing that pops in your head. Okay. Wash over you like a flood. Let heaven okay. let it roar. <laughs> Firefall. Oh, yeah. Is this a worship song? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Anything to do with flood or water is usually yeah. a worship That's song, a bridge so. of a... Like oh, a lion. Uh, like a lion. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> of course it is. Of course of it was. <laughs> um... Although my favorite water one, sorry, <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying this, but my favorite one is a Jars of Clay song where the first line is, rain, rain on my face. Um, <laughs> oh my God. My favorite opening line to any song. <laughs> I like that one worship song where they say fuck. I don't know about that one. I it's, don't know uh, either. I've not heard that one once. <laughs> they didn't play that in my church. <laughs> Oh Anyways, um, what song lives rent free in your head? Rent free in my head. Oh, I hate um, Heliotrope <laughs> from Runner, and I that's probably in the top of my mind because we just saw concert this weekend. So Ow. yeah, it's an amazing song. You guys should listen to it. It's great. It's always and it's just like always running. That's way better than the songs <laughs> that are stuck in my head. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel like normally it's TikTok tracks, but. Luckily, yeah, the concerts like wash that out a little bit. So. <laughs> <laughs> it is healing for that. Yeah. Uh, are you a cat person or a dog person? Cat, one hundred percent. Used to be, I used to be a dog person, Mochi. and then I had. Mochi. We've had some dogs with traumatic experiences. So, yeah. like, we had like rescue dogs that had behavior issues, and just realizing just how much care they requires. Yeah. It's like a child. It's, I mean, people, I feel like people don't realize like how much care their dogs actually need. And I'm just not at that point in my life. <laughs> oh, totally. No, I've seen the light too. I used to be a total dog person, but yeah, same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you could reside in any like fantasy world, what would it be? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I just read this. Um, there's this trilogy, trilogy called Children of Time. And it is where a virus that was supposed to save humanity by uplifting monkeys to like 
uh, rapidize evolution on other planets so that way we could survive our species on other planets accidentally um, lifted up a different species of, of spiders. And so there's this like whole world of like this elevated species of spiders and humans. And it's crazy and it sounds crazy, but it's so well written. It's What's it called? And I, it's called Children of Time. It's a big boy, but it is the most amazing book. And I feel like it tackles some social issues really well using like this extraterrestrial species and basically like pointing out the things that like if only humanity had chosen the right path and things like things could be different like it shows like it comes to this crescendo of like where you feel like as a human you're reading it and you're like oh their only option is to like commit genocide but then they like find a different solution um in order to like coexist with this other species mm. and they yeah and they like tackle like other issues like they reverse sexism to where like um in the spider species like the females are like the um it's like a matriarchal society and so mm -hmm. like the males are subjected to sexism and it like i feel like by reversing a lot of these things like you see the points in a different lens and it's it's really cool really well written and the world building is incredible so <laughs> Oh, that sounds so good. Yeah, I, I just put Such that like top book. of my list. I have a long book list, but let's go into the front. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. I love it. Oh, that sounds so good. It sounds like right up our alley. We'll we'll probably. Yeah. I'm predicting that we're both going to read it, and then it's we'll like probably have you back shit. on. It's we'll so probably have good. you back on a second time to do like a, a breakdown. Just to talk of about this. of time. Yes. It's amazing, <laughs> and it tackles questions of God as well, which is also cool. The way it's that what we're it. about here. Yeah, it's so, it's really interesting. I loved it. Incredible series. <laughs> yeah, love it. <laughs> um, it is uh, my turn to ask, isn't it? Let's see. Mm. Uh, what which scenario do you think you could win in a fight if you fought against um ten uh five-year-old children um or if you fought against one uh um what's the word i'm looking for uh german shepherd i feel like i could take both of them <laughs> <laughs> yeah because i've definitely had to deal with like 20 children at some point <laughs> so like i could do Phantom. that easy <laughs> but so but, but but could you like actually hurt them like would you <laughs> what like, i mean ethically like <laughs> ethically uh but like the dog doesn't have a but if they're trying to kill you yeah they're, they're all trying to kill you so <laughs> yeah like uh, i don't know that's hard um if, if i have to kill them I know what I should say, but I still want to say the five children. Yeah, no, that's what kids. I know I should say I should say the dog, but I just like I love yeah. German Shepherds. They're yeah. my favorite. This, the scene in I Am Legend is too trauma traumatizing. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, I love German Shepherds too much. It have to be the five kids, and kids can sometimes they deserve it, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Lexi gets a call. You're in oh, jail. Yeah. I'm in jail. What did you do? I stole, obviously. I steal. <laughs> I have a problem with stealing a little bit. It's fine. 
Not I mean, really. listen, I <laughs> ring up the organic avocados as regular avocados all the time. <laughs> oh, okay? yeah. For legal purposes, this is definitely not real, but I definitely like mm-hmm. steal glasses from like every bar I go to. <laughs> 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 it's like how like we have our glass collection. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love those. Yeah. Uh, I know. We have a little IHOP mug. I love that. It's our favorite. <laughs> One of those tiny mugs they give you for coffee. Yes. Oh my gosh. Especially if it's cute and small. Come on. You're just asking for it to be stolen. Yeah. You can fit it like in your pants or your pocket easily. Like it's Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um <clears throat> uh donuts or muffins? Donuts. Um, because there's this little donut shop that makes mini donuts and you can like they make them fresh and then you can get all these different toppings on them and they're so good. And that's all that's the first thing i thought of so yeah (laughs) follow-up question are are many versions of everything better i think so because i feel like it it forces you to really focus on the bite and i think Mm -hmm. you enjoy it more because you have to you have to like relish it oh yeah yeah Yeah, so i think yeah smaller everything do you think that aliens believe in humans yeah, I think that if there is, I, I think that if there is intelligent life, which I suspect that there is, um, they're probably a lot smarter than us and probably either know that we exist or are, are like, I don't know. I feel yeah. like, yes. I guess it depends on what you mean by believe in because like, yeah, I don't believe also, in humans at all. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's true. I mean, they might not know exactly like what species we are or like, you know, the details, yeah. but they're probably like, Oh yeah, there's probably other intelligent life as well. Like, you know, we don't know what aliens look like if they're out there. Spiders. <laughs> Spiders. Yeah. Obviously that. <laughs> Collier, do you remember that shadow question we cut out of one episode? That you asked. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just remembered that. <laughs> I want to hear it now. <laughs> no, you don't. All right. Yes, if I you do. could, yeah. If you could uh if you could smash any character from the Sonic the Hedgehog universe, who would it be? Tails. <laughs> Tails? <laughs> okay. Okay. Guys, I've got it. I've got to go on a really random tangent about this. So there's a rumor right now that the voice actor from Sonic from like the Sonic Adventure games uh-huh. recently had an affair on his wife who played the voice actor for Tails. And with the person he had the affair with, he was accused of using the voice in bed. Oh my God. Wait, wait, the, the Sonic one was or the Tails one? The Sonic one. <laughs> the Sonic voice actor cheated on his wife who played oh Tails my God. with someone else. And. Dude, if, if, if somebody from that game is going to use the voice in bed, I would so want it to be Shadow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's my favorite game. I love that. <laughs> I just Tails was always my go-to character, so I had to stay loyal. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. I mean, yeah, Tails was always my go-to. Like, he was, like, probably my go-to playing character, but, yeah. yeah. I, I'd have to say Shadow, though, with the one that I would most like to... Uh, be in bed with for sure <laughs> i honestly didn't even like think about shadow i was just like my mind was just like tails <laughs> First one. oh my gosh um what's your favorite swear word favorite swear word i feel like i say like can i think of what i say the most 
I guess just fuck. I, I don't know. That's so not creative. That's just, <laughs> I just get the yeah. job done. <laughs> yeah. So, so versatile. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, it's just, it's hard to have a better one. Yeah. It's, it's very good. Um, yeah. I <laughs> had a question and it literally like flew out of my mind. Uh, so. Wow, I'm gonna think of a different one. I'm sorry. Um, oh, if uh, what animal would you most want to be? Um, I just keep thinking hamster because I'm obsessed with my hamster, <laughs> and he has like one brain cell, and I just want to know what that's like. <laughs> I just want to know what it's like to have like no thoughts. Yes. <laughs> Nona, does it. Nona not have any thoughts? I know. Yeah, I just got a hamster, and actually, I was looking. I looked at your. Uh, I looked at your Instagram reel of pancake before buying Mars. <laughs> pancake is literally the light of my life. His surgery went great. He's fine. Good. Yeah, I was gonna ask um, yeah, about that. Yeah, he survived. Uh -huh. He survived, and um, it ended up not being cancer like they thought. Yeah, it was something completely else that was completely treatable doing great <laughs> <laughs> i was literally like, i sobbed three times if you could choose <laughs> i thought he was just i thought he was gonna die for sure so he's gonna die and i'm gonna spend like 700 dollars on his death like oh <laughs> Ash? <laughs> what happened? Hello? Can hey. you hear me? Yes. Uh, You're having sorry. a little connectivity issues. Mm -hmm. The iPad hotspot. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Turn your video off and oh there, wait there you are. Oh, Hi. You're connected again. <laughs> I'm back. Sorry about that. <laughs> Can you repeat that last little bit about pancake? Because I think we didn't get it. Um, I probably just said that he was fine and I thought I was gonna spend like seven hundred dollars on him to <sighs> die. Mm -hmm. But uh he's fine and it wasn't seven hundred dollars, oh, luckily. So okay. it's like Yay. half that, which was nice. Good. <laughs> I yeah on our last hamster a few years ago I spent like 50 bucks to euthanize him because oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, people say I was like crazy for euthanizing a hamster but I was like I don't want him to suffer or like and I don't yeah, want to kill him myself no. like no Paul, I could have done it much cheaper than that no nope. but the funny <laughs> thing is yeah, so he was I mean he was old he was ill uh he like had some sort of thing that was going to kill him yeah soon no anyway. hamster has a peaceful death honestly yeah i mean his was, his was probably the most peaceful yeah yeah honestly he, he like was... euthanization was probably the best option yeah they always yeah have something traumatic happen like oh definitely yeah I've, like that's the funniest like reddit thing to look up is hamster deaths like just, yes. it's, they, they just die in the craziest way i'm gonna look <laughs> this up on reddit now tonight you definitely should it's a fun rabbit hole but yeah. also i don't know if fun's the right word but <laughs> <laughs> All right, a couple more each, Collier. Uh -huh. Yep, I think it's, okay. it's to you now. Ash, if you were a motivational poster, what would it say? 
a motivational poster? Yeah, yeah. Like if a picture of you was on a motivational poster, what would the motivational poster say? Uh, just keep swimming, I guess. I don't there know. you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I thought of, this was like a quote that got me through so much of my life was this yeah. too shall pass. <laughs> there you go. Because like it put into perspective that like everything was only going to be so long. Like you could get through the worst thing if you took it like 10 seconds at a time. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to be over eventually. Yeah. Hopefully that was maybe also a good one, but. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Too much, too much Bible verse-iness to it. Yeah, that's solid. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Is that a Bible verse or does it just like sound biblical? Because I don't know. It's a, I think it, it sounds a like a Bible verse, verse but. Uh, I think it's from, I think it's an Ecclesiastes. It might be. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also a song by OK yeah. Go and it's a good song. So. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Mine would be like an anti-motivational poster and it's like, everyone sucks. <laughs> <laughs> everyone sucks and no one's paying attention to you, so just do whatever you want. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I remember the question I was going to ask. So, Ash, what yeah. is a movie... Like, like, what is your favorite movie that you would be embarrassed to tell people is your favorite movie oh my god (laughs) um i guess kind of like a guilty pleasure but more like it's like it's embarrassing for you to admit that you just like love this movie or tv show if if that's easier i don't know i mean i feel like everything i like i I wanted to say like maybe Zootopia because that was like my comfort movie for a while. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I feel like everything is just a phase for me. So I'm mm-hmm. like, well, I don't, I don't really care for it now, but I remember I was obsessed with it for a time. So like maybe, maybe Zootopia. Yeah. <laughs> Shakira's know. song in that. I, I, yeah. I love it. <laughs> I still get that stuck yeah. in my head. Like every once in a while, it'll just come to me and I'll start singing the, uh, yeah. Shakira, gazelle. the gazelle. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I also have really bad recall, so like, I don't know. I don't know what I watch. It goes in one. It goes in through the eyeballs and out my head. So. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take us home, Collier. Uh, what's okay. your favorite flavor? Oh, oh my gosh! I knew that I was gonna ask this, and I still couldn't come up with anything. <laughs> um. <laughs> Ooh, um, maybe orange. Orange, yeah. 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 I feel like that can be really versatile, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, orange. Also, it's my favorite color, so. Orange. I I love the variety of answers that we've got for this question. Yeah, it's been like like vanilla, orange, beer. Is beer a flavor? I, I guess it is. Yeah. Can be. <laughs> I guess it's them. Yeah, it's whatever. Listen, if Tide Pods and like bleach can be a flavor, so can beer. Oh my God. Someone literally died at my college from eating a Tide Pod. So. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Huh. Which is just so sad and just like so. I stupid. thought that was more of like a. I, I didn't even think that that was like real. I didn't think people actually did that. I thought it was like no, a. No, someone story. like on our campus, they like wow. sent out an email about it. <laughs> they were like, <laughs> hey, 
don't be stupid. <laughs> I'm pretty wow. sure someone at like yeah. one of our local Christian schools died of autoerotic asphyxiation. So I mean, like weird deaths are <laughs> that's that's suppressed sexuality, really. Yeah, that's <laughs> it was definitely a Christian school that, too. That is, that is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dangerous in more ways than I thought. <laughs> oh God. Awesome. Okay. Well, yeah, let's get into more of your story now. So you survived the hot seat. Congratulations. You finally <laughs> did it. You finally got your wish. Did. Yep. You can die happy now. So I can. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Man, Ash, um, I just remember back uh when we met up at the ramen shop and just uh started diving into <laughs> your uh your story a little bit, which I know yeah. sounds it's like an anime version of the Christian, like let's meet up for coffee, except let's meet up for ramen. <laughs> Yeah. And like, I know we just like went the broad overview yes. over everything you want to talk about and mm-hmm. of your story. But like, even then, like you, you hook, line oh, and sinker, wow. I was bought in. I'm like, oh my God, what yeah. the heck is going on? I mean, it's you've very been through a lot. Yeah, it's very interesting. And honestly, I think the fact that I've been through a lot plays into my story because um, then later I was asked to share a lot. So, um, which ended up being really traumatizing. (laughs) Um, Fun fact, having kids share their trauma in front of an audience isn't a great way to help them deal with their trauma. (laughs) For sure. sure. Um, But yeah, um, before we did start, I did want to pull a little 180 on you guys. I know at the end, sometimes you guys do. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you guys do like this thing where you ask, like, is there anything that you'd want to say to Christians maybe that are listening? Oh yeah, let's, let's and pull I it kind up of Ryan. wanted yeah. to do that. I wanted to do it at the beginning because I wanted to kind of put a disclaimer for my story, and the disclaimer is, um, I feel like if you are in a position, if you're a Christian and you're in a position where you want to hear my story and you are looking to the details to find reasons, either a to discredit me. <laughs> Or be to like, um, be like my church would never do that or that wouldn't have happened or I wouldn't have treated you like that way. I would like you to instead like get out of that defensive mindset and realize that if you are a Christian and you are still participating in like church culture that, and I mean this, I don't mean this in like a mean way, but like you are part of the problem. And like, even though, (laughs) even though you yourself might not necessarily be doing these things by being in that defensive mindset, when people like me share their stories, you aren't going to receive them and you're not going to hear them and you're going to miss the point. Cause you're going to be so focused on it being you centered and on you being like, well, I want to do that. Or my church wouldn't do that. No, you're not hearing it. <laughs> like, and that's what, and like so many people like me, like have these same stories. And I made a comment earlier about how like the details don't matter. They don't. My detail, like the details of my story, like they're interesting for sure. But there's so many people that have the same, that have had the same impact. And I think if you are in the church and you want the church to be different, you need to hear people and hear that this impact is real and that it's happening. And instead of looking for ways to excuse yourself from that accountability, I think that you need to um, think about how you can change that impact. Um, but just because I've reached this point with Christians, cause I have some friends in my life that are still Christians and it's sometimes hard because I feel like the thing that they always tell me is not all Christians 
and it's starting to sound like not all men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. just like, and it's just like a way for people to take themselves out of the seat of accountability. And, um, and that's why like things aren't changing, like, <laughs> because you are not willing to admit that you're part of the problem. And I feel like that's just something that like we all have to do when we're like dismantling systems around us. We have to acknowledge that we're part of the problem or else things don't get better. So if you, aren't in a place where you can do that just don't waste your time <laughs> like listening to my story it's 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 not gonna like it's not gonna make a good impact if you're in a position of defensiveness going into it so keep an open mind and just like focus on like okay where are ways in like my life or in my church that we might have had the same impact and how can we prevent this to keep from like happening more if you want to be those good loving people that you claim to be <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was just like my disclaimer for like Christians that listen. I know you guys said a lot of Christians listen, um, because I feel like it's really easy to try to like discredit the storyteller. And I just, I don't want to waste people's time. If you're, if you're going to do that, just doesn't matter. It's just don't listen, <laughs> go do something better. <laughs> go spend time with your family or something. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like, um, that out of the way, <laughs> I feel like my story is, interesting because it's kind of a generational story as well i feel like the trauma that the church has inflicted with on my family didn't start with me it started with my parents um my parents did not grow up christian they both came from poor economic backgrounds and they both had a lot of trauma in their lives and they had kind of this catalyst trauma i think growing up in america no matter what you're going to some point in your life hear about jesus hear about the gospel um and they had this kind of catalyst trauma. They lost it. My mom uh, was a teen mom, but she lost her child. And when she lost her child, I think that trauma to them was a sign from God that they needed to turn their life around. Um, and that was like the message that they got from, you know, the church and from people around them. And I think with that, it's interesting because I think people, especially people with like poor economic backgrounds and a little bit like less educated, neither of my parents have a college education. I think the church likes to find people that are traumatized and then like indoctrinate them and creating almost like this codependent relationship to where like, I don't think my parents even, they buy whatever the church taught them. They don't really even really understand how to dive into the text themselves and to kind of like, diet like they don't know how to like i guess like digest that doctrine or to like maybe dismantle or question it because um their connection to the church was based on trauma it's not based on you know they investigated this belief and it wasn't compelling it was based on this um traumatic connection and to them it was a lifeline and to them it was um like their access to um putting themselves in a better position in life which you could say that it did some good, maybe in the beginning, helped them turn their life around. But I think it also damaged them in a way that they became very obsessed with. They wanted to be seen as good people. And it was constantly them trying to prove themselves to the church. And they were always like always serving. Um, and they just like wanted to clean up their act and like basically like sponge off their past because they both had really rough past. And they kind of in their parenting, I think it then transferred to like, we had to be perfect children because anything that we did influenced the reputation of the family. Cause we were constantly fighting the reputation of like, you know, we had a lot of drug use in our family and like, um, just like a lot of other issues. Um, 
And I feel like they were constantly fighting against that narrative and constantly trying to like prove to themselves that they were good. And I think also in their minds, if you serve God, bad things won't happen anymore. <laughs> um, and they had like, mm -hmm. of course, had this like terrible trauma. And to them, they had to then become perfect Christians. So that way something like this wouldn't happen to their kids again or wouldn't happen to them again. And I think it um, definitely changed that the way that they, like the course of their parenting went for us. And then, um, like I said, my family has a lot of overdose. And as a result of one of those um, overdoses, we adopted uh, my cousins. And it was just a really traumatic event. And it wasn't like one of the, it wasn't like a planned adoption. It was kind of more of like, this is what has to happen. Um, and I think them coming from traumatic backgrounds, they're bringing their trauma into the family. My parents have their own trauma. And um, I have a parent that has mental health issues and it kind of caused them to break down. And so I had one parent that was working all the time and one person that was in this constant state of um, their mental disorder being um, activated, I suppose is the best way to put it. And it was to the point where um, like they thought they were going to die at some point, like their hair completely fell out. They were so stressed out. Um, and that definitely like came out in their parenting too, because I think because there's so much that was happening, the only way that they could manage parenting was to have this really like legalistic church, like what the church taught them. Like you need to make sure that your kids aren't doing this, this and this and this. And so like, they were just very, very hard on us if we <laughs> messed up and we like, and we like messed up a lot because we're kids. Um, but yeah. I think like the punishment was often disproportionate um, because everything was about identity. It came back to identity every time. So like anytime we messed up, it wasn't like, oh, you made a mistake. It was, oh, you are um, disgracing our family. So there was just like this mm. very big like shame element to their parenting that was definitely like very hard as a kid. And, um, and then on top of like all the other trauma that was just kind of happening around, um, it was just a lot. And like I said, like my parent with mental health issues, um, really grabbed onto the anxiety that I think the church can instill in people of like the rapture and conspiracy theories. And, um, there was one time where we like filled up our basement with water cause they were convinced like, the government was poisoning the water like just like these things that kind of come out of that alt-right christian pop pipeline these like yeah. fear tactics and i think people especially people with trauma are like more susceptible to because they've had to deal with fearful circumstances and terrible things happening their whole life so it's not so hard for them to believe that um terrible things will keep happening and it is such a comfort to think that if you're on god's side maybe you'll be spared some of that, um, like some of the worst of it. Like maybe you'll in a, be in a better position. And I think my parents definitely like religion was that way of them having that illusion of safety that didn't really exist. <laughs> um, and it was like mm -hmm. this way of them thinking that they could prevent trauma from still happening in our family in a way that they could protect us from it. But then really, I think that belief set... <laughs> probably caused them to enact like not intentionally but enact more trauma on our family because then it was this like everything was a matter of like it felt like life and death like anytime you like made a mistake it was like the yeah. end of the world um 
So that was just really hard growing up in that environment. And um, I struggled really hard with my mental health. Um, I've been diagnosed with CPTSD and there's years of my life that I just don't remember. And (laughs) it's, it's really difficult because like trying to like remember even like how my story started, like there's just gaps that I'm just like, I don't really know how like some things came to be. But I know even for me, um, the church was also the story of Jesus. I think there was somebody else on your podcast that recently shared her story. And she talked about how the church really loves to go after um, traumatized teens. Like that's their bread and butter. Um, Like they love to (laughs) go after those children because they're super easy to indoctrinate and they are um, very susceptible to that like message like they, they just like want so much to be loved that they're kind of willing to do anything in order to receive yeah. that and they're like very easily manipulated <laughs> and I feel like mm-hmm. that definitely happened with me um I was obsessed with the character of Jesus um and I just like wanted to be the best Christian ever I wanted to be a preacher I think by the age of nine I was like I'm gonna be a preacher mm. and um <laughs> and I remember And I think also like coming from my family, um, I was definitely socially behind (laughs) Um, and like because of all like, especially like all the trauma that was happening, I was socially behind. I didn't understand um, a lot of like like social norms and expectations that I think that the church expected to be placed on me. I didn't like, like, for example, like a woman shouldn't be a preacher. That didn't compute with me. To me, it was like, (laughs) if, if like, if I felt like God wanted me to do something, I should just do it. And I remember I went Mm -hmm. on this mission trip and I like got up on stage and like preach a little message when I was like 10 years old or whatever. And I remember afterwards. um, And the reason why that happened is there was like a situation that happened with the church where like the adults left the room for whatever reason for a minute. And I decided to get up there. And I remember getting like pulled down afterwards and being told, like explain like, why on earth would you do that? You're a woman. (laughs) Like you're a girl. This would never be like, this would never be God's client. Like you shouldn't do this. Like, what are you doing? And also like, you're a kid. So like, what are you doing? <laughs> and, and me, I just had this, like, I think because like, again, societal things just kind of like went over my head. Sometimes it didn't make sense to me why they were telling you this. I didn't really like, mm-hmm. it wasn't that I was trying to be rebellious. It was just that I didn't understand and it didn't make sense to me. And um, yeah, I mean, patriarchy is totally made <laughs> up. So like a, yeah. 10 year old, a 10 year old wouldn't know. <laughs> it's yeah, not natural. And, and, And also, like, I felt like since my, I feel like a lot of people that went to my church were, like, suburban families that had been going to church their whole lives. And, like, the the behavior is kind of passed down where, like, people know Mm -hmm. what you're supposed to do, what you're not supposed to do. And I just didn't know any of that. That's most church people. Yeah. (laughs) It's part of who they are. Exactly. And for me, I was in it because I was like obsessed with like this Jesus character. I wanted him to love me. I wanted to be the best Christian ever. I wanted to be a missionary, like all of these things. I really um, was sold out to the whole Jesus, um, the whole Jesus thing. Um, and even as a kid, I always just felt like, I feel like I'm the only one that like, my heart's really in this. And a lot of this just seems like people just coming here and doing things. And I would like, ask the wrong questions and like I would always want to be doing things and people would just be like oh well we're not you're too young to do these things like I don't know why you're asking why you you know like because I would be like um one of my dreams is I wanted to start my own homeless shelter I had crazy dreams when I was a kid so yeah. I was like we should we should do like these like homeless things they're like oh, whatever and people are just like we live in Lebanon like what are you <laughs> like, like <laughs> there's not homeless people around here or whatever um 
but I was just like very much, um, I wanted to follow Jesus. Um, and a lot of times, like I said, I think like my lack of like understanding social cues, I would just kind of like throw myself into things and people Mm -hmm. looking back, I can see how they were like treating me very weirdly, but I just like, it just all went over my head. Um, (laughs) and, um, yeah. So then, um, trying to think of like where to branch off, where to branch off from that. But I guess then like, um, getting into high school, um, just like stuff at home was, you know, still hard. And, um, I'm trying to think of where to go off from next from this. Well, uh, <laughs> if you don't mind, can I just like stop for just a yeah. second? And I'm like, and, I kind of just like lost my turn. Yeah, no, no, you're fine. I mean, that like, that, yeah, that was already like so much really yeah. good information. And, like a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff there. I'm taking uh, notes for questions. But... At the end. So if I'm quiet, just know, like, I want to ask you some things. Where yeah, no, there's, I, there's a lot. Yeah. One thing, definitely- yeah. <laughs> well, just as you're about to go more into your high school years then, so this was like leading up to it. I know you mm-hmm. mentioned that you were often used as like a trauma dump story person to yeah. presumably make others feel better or uh, inspire yeah. faith or whatever. Was that in mm-hmm. high school when that happened or was that when you were so, little? I think like it probably, so probably more so high school because um so fun fact about me (laughs) um I am I guess I would say my sexuality is not straight I'm attracted to non-men but um I was um assaulted at a young age and was then in this like weird toxic relationship with a guy and I kept trying to leave him and I was like probably like 13, 14 at this point. And I remember telling someone like this stuff is like happening. I don't know how to get away from this dude. He's like threatening to kill himself. Like all this crazy stuff and, um, and getting away from that. And then, um, and then the church just like being completely silent, like not really helping me and like, didn't really follow up with me on any of that. And, um, and then I remember like, I forget where I was, I, I forget where I was kind of going. Oh, so then like when my story started kind of becoming like used, I guess, is after I shared um, that story about like leaving that relationship, then like I feel like later um, someone else came back to it and was like asking me um, just like how I got out of it and um why I got into it in the first place and then I was sharing all this stuff with my with this youth pastor I was sharing like all this stuff that had happened and like how I'd gotten there because then I was like I because after that after I had left I was then crying to like some other person in the future about it um Mm -hmm. and then them being like oh like you've like been through so much and um God saved you from that. And in my mind, I was like, no one fucking helped me. <laughs> like I tried to get help and no one helped me. <laughs> and I tried to tell people and like, literally no one did anything. Like I literally had to figure yeah. that out all by myself. And, but then I think because I felt that I had figured it out by myself, I was like, well, I couldn't have figured it out by myself. So they're right. It must've been God. That must've been like mm. God saving me from that. <laughs> and so it then turned into somehow it got turned into, I was the, 
I was the kid that had a lot of bad stuff happen to her. Um, also, this is like a small detail. Like when we adopted like my cousin stuff, like I was also like the dirty kid for a while because like they brought lice to our family and like like other like issues. Mm-hmm. And so like I had been like the dirty girl. I had been like um, people like knew probably I think like people just like probably knew that like I, stuff was happening at home or something. But I think I was treated as like kind of this outsider and then um, after this like traumatic experience with this guy happened and then got out of that. And then I was like kind of doing okay for myself. I think then they were trying to be like, look what God transformed you from like this like sad little traumatized mm-hmm. girl to like you're now doing okay. And in my mind, I was also like, I'm also not doing okay. <laughs> like I wasn't doing okay at all. But it, it was just like, oh, look how much you survived and went through and like how you come out the other side. But I think what also looking back, what they didn't realize is I hadn't really come out the other side. Um, I was just told mm. that I had come out the other side. And so it was like basically told like, look how God healed you and use your story. But internally I was like, nothing feels healed. <laughs> nothing feels better. If anything, I feel worse about myself. And like, now I feel like I have all this trauma that I'm dealing with and like people are just telling me that I'm okay. And it's like such a miracle that I'm like, want to do all this ministry stuff and like, want to give my life to God. And like, um, like look how much God has like used your story and like transformed your heart and like used it to put missions on your heart. And I was like, I wanted to do this when I was a kid, but like, um, so yeah, then it just kind of became like this thing where like, I would get asked to share my story a lot. And then if someone else had something like, if someone else had like even something like remotely traumatic, then I would kind of be like called on as like the person to then also share, like to like be camaraderie. But it was, it put me in this weird position where like, I felt like I had, I was supposed to be okay by then. And I wasn't really okay, but I was pretending to be okay because I was Mm. being used as this like story prop. And I remember like being obsessed with like, um, like Job and thinking like, okay, all of my suffering has to mean something. It has to amount to something. It has to um, be a part of my testimony. It has to be like, there has to be this big transformation that happens. And so I just like became obsessed with like this idea of being transformed and this idea of like, my trauma amounting to something. And that actually ended up being like one of the most harmful things for me because then when that didn't happen, what I would do is I would get in this cycle where I would be like, well, obviously I didn't suffer enough. So I need to go make myself suffer some more. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that was when I got into like some substance abuse and, um, and just, um, and then also part of like not being straight. I remember telling God, I was like, um, I always knew that I was attracted to girls from like a young age. Like I remember like I, the, the, the turning point for me was like a, when high school musical came out, everyone was like, Oh, Troy. And I was like, <laughs> Gabriella. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I remember like telling God, I was like, if you just send like a guy that wants to be with me, I will do anything. And I will be with that person. And mm. like, if I just get married, this will just go away. And, um, and I think also I had this pressure at home. I was taught from a very, very young age, like, um, 
that like marriage would complete you and that marriage would like marriage was kind of like the ultimate destination in life. And I remember like as a young kid, a lot of times, anything time I did like something like bad manners, it would always be like, better not do that. Or guys aren't going to like you in the future or like, um, no guy's going to want you if you talk like that, or no guy's going to want you if you, you know, you don't, um, brush your hair or whatever. Um, so like there was a lot of worth placed in guys attraction for me. And the problem was, is since I didn't experience attraction towards men, um, I was constantly just like looking for someone to just come in and like save me from myself kind of thing. And I was just like, it doesn't matter who it is. Like, I just need someone to like, if they just love me, it'll fix me and I'll be like, I'll be good. (laughs) And like, all of this will go away. And, um, all of my trauma won't will like won't be for nothing and that like if I get married that's like the ultimate thing in like God's eyes and then I can do all the things that I want to do because I think I was also taught like um like as a woman like you couldn't do things alone like you had to have like a man with you to do everything like even to like travel or like um if I did want to be a missionary or something like it was always like well you need to get like married so that way you have someone with you to protect you and like I wasn't really taught to like be independent. I was definitely taught to like search for that codependent relationship. And so Mm. I think that combined with combined with the fact that I didn't really like experience, like, like attraction with men um, led me to some like really toxic relationships where um, if a guy showed interest in me, I just wanted them to like love me instantly because I just wanted to skip all like, I didn't really want to get to know them. I didn't really want to like, doing that I just wanted them to love me so they could marry me and fix me and then everything would be good (laughs) um and um so yeah that was yeah that was just that was definitely an interesting fun fun thing to navigate as a teenager um (laughs) did you ever read the story of Gideon in the bible where he like sits his fleece out and he waits for god to see if it's wet or whatever like that's kind of the thing (laughs) i'm hearing from you you're like you're like waiting for god to like come into the story and it's like hey if you're real you're gonna rescue me out of this situation you're gonna show up Mm -hmm. here and then when he didn't you just gaslit yourself into thinking, oh, well, it must be me then. And isn't that yeah, so true? That was, like, yeah, that was exactly, I mean, that's exactly what it was. It was like, and so then when, because I think because in those relationships that I had with men, I think also since like, it was mostly just them, me trying to get something from them. Um, like when they then didn't want to be with me, then it wasn't just about like, oh, we weren't good for each other. It was, there is something fundamentally wrong with me and everyone knows Mm. it and everyone can see it. And like, um, and I'm never going to get to be normal. Like I'm never just going to get to be a normal person. And I already had, I've kind of had felt, I felt that like black sheepness, I think just because a lot of like, because of like my childhood, I think like being that, like the trauma kid, um, Mm -hmm which I think in like church, like, I think that there's always that kid. There's always the trauma kid. And like, it's very obvious. And it's like, Mm -hmm. and it's hard to be that kid. Like it is so hard to be that kid. Um, But I always thought like, um, I think once I'm getting out of high school and getting into college and kind of starting to try to use the church as like my way to, again, kind of bring meaning to all of the chaos. Um, I went into kids ministry. Um, 
and I always tried to just be really real with my kids and I tried to like um I tried to like not make anyone feel different um try to just be really authentic and I got kind of like I don't want to say reprimanded but like <laughs> I feel like sometimes it was like I wasn't saying what matched up with the what the church wanted me to say. No, that's what I was going to um, say. I Yeah. I, as you said that, I was like, I bet they didn't like that because no, every time that there was someone like that that I can think of, they would usually get pushed out because you can't be too real. Like the they, they want you yeah. to be like 80% real at the max, mm-hmm. you know, like show some vulnerability, show some dumb yeah. authentic sides. But if you're, <laughs> yeah, exactly. if you're actually authentic, if you're actually genuine, that's too messy. It's too... It's not yeah. clean. It's not pure. And it was always interesting because um, I think in church, I was constantly doing the, I, I was always constantly doing the most and always wondering why I didn't fit in. Like, I was like, I'm doing everything right. Like, why, like, why am I like still, it was kind of like these, it kind of almost felt like I was being allowed to serve, but I wasn't wanted to serve. Like it was like, mm-hmm. cause I was always pushing so hard to be involved and I was always pushing so hard to um, go on like these trips and um, do this volunteering. Um, and I always just wonder why just like whenever I met with the adults and whenever we had like our training or we had our groups, I just like, didn't vibe with everyone else like I just like there was something that was like I could always tell that I just wasn't fully accepted and I felt like there was always an eye on me and it was really interesting because in college um I was really involved with this campus ministry and I was always labeled the rebellious kid and I wasn't like I didn't really feel like I was being Mm. rebellious I was just not following again like rules kind of just like go over my head because to me, if like the rule doesn't make sense, there's no reason why I should follow the rule. <laughs> like I feel like, because like uh-huh. sometimes I'm like, yeah. you know, like I understand like the way the rule has to be there, but like my intentions in the right place. So it doesn't matter. Like it was kind of like, um, mm-hmm. I just like didn't follow, I just didn't follow the rules. And, um, and I would always be labeled as this like rebel. And I was just like, I'm not a rebel. Like, I'm just like, I'm just like trying to do my best out here. And like, um, even with the people that I would invite and bring into like um, this crew, it was what it's called. Um, I brought people to crew and it always felt like, like I expected them to be accepted. And like, I was like, Oh yeah. Like I met my friends here like blah, blah, blah. blah. And then like they would be iced out and I would always feel so embarrassed. Cause I'd be like, why did yeah. I bring this person here? And like, they're not being accepted. Cause I feel like the people that I connected with were probably people that were like um, similar to me were probably like more like, I guess black sheep people or whatever. Probably um, not straight. Yeah, probably not straight. Yeah, no, some of like some of them gave off. Like even if they were like straight presenting, they probably still gave off like that vibe. Yeah. Um this is college like, time, would, right? We're talking like campus. Yeah, this crusade, is like right? college at this point. Okay. Like college, uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. I skip a lot in my story because like I said, I don't remember a lot no, of years it's of my okay. life. And I just like remember oh, like little highlights. But um, but in campus ministry, that was when um I think I was starting to realize how just how traumatic my childhood had been and um, starting to realize like how much like the assault had affected me and how I had kind of like 
put my um they call it like basically like you are re-traumatizing yourself by reenacting the assault so i would purposely put myself in situations where i would be at risk for being assaulted so um and if a guy had an attraction to me and i could sense it then i would just intentionally get really really drunk because i'm like if they're going to try something with me i don't want to remember it because like again didn't wasn't really attracted to them and i was just like and I know this is going to happen. So like, if I'm just really drunk or really high for it, I just won't remember and it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> so I had kind yeah. of like gone through a lot of this, um, like re-traumatizing myself. And in college, I was starting to kind of recognize it, but I didn't know where to put it because anytime I went to the church with it, I felt like they always just acted like it was over. Like anytime I shared anything that had happened, it was always like, oh, wow, you've been through so much. Oh, wow, you should share yeah. about that. Or like, oh, wow, like um, you seem like you're doing so well. I'm like, just because I'm like holding it together for this conversation does not mean that I'm doing well. Like I'm like doing really bad. And it was like, I felt like my pain was just never seen and never believed. And mm. I would be like, and it would just be like, oh, like, look how much you've been through like how inspiring you can be like, you can talk to other like we like had this like sexual assault um like group that i was in and it was like oh like you can like connect with other survivors and stuff and like that group was great but it i needed professional help at this point um yeah. in my life and it was never even like suggested to me like whenever i shared all of this like these traumatic things that had happened to me it was never like that's a lot to carry. You should see someone. It was look what God helped you survive. Um, look how well you're doing now. Because I think I was, I was especially in college. Um, I'm one of those people that uh, school was always like really easy for me. So like I was getting, you know, I was getting good grades. I was um, involved in like sports and I was like involved in clubs. I was doing all the things, but like I was not doing well. <laughs> <laughs> and um and people just like assume that I was through it and then but also at the same time I think I was just never really taken seriously in any sense because I was always just the person that was traumatized like um it was kind of like they would use me as a prop to like share like inspirational story but then like didn't actually if I were to have a the like a debate with someone or to um try to express any opinions it was like I was very dismissed because it was just like oh well you just you know like you just don't get it because like you don't have like the same education that we do or like we don't you don't have like this um emotional maturity I was seen as really emotionally immature I think was the big yeah. thing because um because I would cry a lot whenever I would share my story I would always cry a lot so it was always like um or I would have these meltdowns with people because I'm the type that I learned now. This was part of like some of my mental health issues, but um, I didn't know how to process emotions. So the way that I would process emotions is I would let them build up for a very like long time. And then I would have this big, like dramatic meltdown and people would see that and be like, Oh yeah. Like she's like really traumatized and like, you know, kind of crazy and kind of like we, like we like, it was kind of just like all of them, like just always treating me like a charity case. Like, Oh, like, look how we let her mm -hmm. do these things for us. Like, look how we let her get on stage. Look how we let her um, volunteer for this. Like we're so good for like letting this super traumatized person, like be involved. Um, and it was just, it was so dehumanizing because 
um, I felt like I was treated like I wasn't smart and like I um, didn't have like my own thoughts and opinions and like they didn't matter, even though like I knew that I did, but I knew that I, um, I mean, I think because of like all the trauma, I didn't know how to like articulate them. I didn't know how to stand up for myself really. Um, and so I was just like, yeah, just like very dismissed. And um, it was like weird because I was like simultaneously being used and dismissed. And it was just like this very weird yeah. dynamic where like, oh yeah, like you can do all these things for us. But like, there was always this like air about like, oh yeah, poor Ash. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you know, and I was, and I will say I was like living in my car at one point at like um, when I first came to college and that was how I got involved with crew in the first place is um, that I was like meeting people and like they found out I was living in my car in my car. And so I got to like some people like invited me into their dorm and that was how I kind of like met people. And then um, I think I became really connected to them. Cause I was like, Oh, these people helped me out so much. But like looking back, they really didn't <laughs> um, <laughs> like, like they were doing the bare minimum for me that like you are like, I feel like they were, they were treating, they were doing the things that they knew that they were supposed to do, not because they cared about me, but because it was mm-hmm. the things that they were supposed to do. And, and I had this illusion where I was like, Oh, these people love me so much, but in actual, but then there was like this, um, like dissonance that was happening where like, I was like, these people love me so much, but like, why do I get the sense that I'm not accepted here? Like they're doing all this stuff for me, but like, I still don't feel like I fit in for some reason. And I still don't feel like for some reason when I talk, it feels like what I have to say doesn't really matter. And it was weird because I was like, but they've done all this stuff for me. And like, I do all this stuff for Mm -hmm. them. So like, I kept, I kept like looking for this love that wasn't there. And it was Mm -hmm. always so confusing to me why it wasn't there. And it took like me leaving the church to realize that that love was like never there. And that was hard to like recognize, but I, looking back, it was, I mean, I was just, you know, <laughs> that's just how it was. <laughs> what was your like turning point? Because you're in a, I mean, I know like trauma doesn't go away, but like you're in a very yeah. different place now than you were like, oh, what you're yeah. describing then. So like what mm-hmm. changed? Yeah. So honestly, um, I'm going to say senior year, um, I think I was realizing that my non-Christian friends that I always felt guilty about hanging out with because they were made to feel like they were bad influences on me. They were Mm going to drag me back into the world um, because I had quote unquote, like I had, I'd struggled with substance use, but I feel like to a normal amount. And especially with the trauma that I had endured, I definitely had used it as a coping mechanism, but it's not like I was like a drug addict or anything. Um, Like I was smoking weed and like drinking occasionally. Um, and Honestly, I mean, where, yeah, that, that would yeah. be it's impressive that it was only that, like a, a regular yeah. amount. Like that's yeah, like, and like for your situation, that seems healthy. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And like, yes, I used it as a coping mechanism, but they had turned. Sure. That was like another thing is they turned me saying like, oh yeah, I did like use like this to cope. They turned that into you're a drug addict. Like it was like oh, this yeah. very big like it was this very big like um, everything about my story. I think the church just wanted to amplify to make it sound as like salacious as possible. Like oh, she was a drug addict and she, and in my, and there was like part of me that was offended by that. Cause like, as someone that had like drug addicts in their family, it's like, I know what an addict looks like and I'm not it. Like, um, yeah. but like, 
it was, but I did kind of buy into that because I was just kind of like, well, if they're telling me I am and like my family does have this like trauma and like, I kind of like believed like the stories that they would tell me about myself. Like they would tell me like, you know, like you, you were a drug addict and you had all this like terrible things and like God saved you and brought you out of it. And now look at all the good stuff you're mm-hmm. doing and all that stuff. But, um, so I had these friends and they were outside of the church and they were always seeming like bad influences because we'd like drink on the weekends or something. And, um, and I just realized that anytime I tried to bring someone from my outer circle to the Christian circle, I realized that they didn't feel welcome. And it made me really pissed off. And the crew, especially is honestly, it's just a sorority. It is just like a frat sorority (laughs) for Christians and it is, has nothing. And it's just, it's a sorority and a frat that has a moral superiority complex. That's literally all it is. And I saw the way that they excluded people and it pissed me off because I was like, um, I did have like a little bit of my own superiority because I was like, well, I can handle it. But like, you don't know if someone else can handle it. Cause like mm-hmm. I was someone that like, I was like, I'm very persistent and stubborn and I will just keep trying forever. But I know that there's people that won't. So like, you guys need to be more welcoming and more like accepting. And it pissed me off cause I was constantly fighting against this. And me and my friends, we actually, um, my roommate, we started this group called, um, bad Christians. <laughs> amazing i love that yeah so this is actually now i'm thinking about this is actually my junior year not my senior so my Mm. junior we started this group called bad christians with the intention of bringing the people that we didn't feel comfortable bringing to crew because we knew that they were going to treated badly because historically they had been treated outright badly um we're like we're going to create this and it's just going to be a safe space and we're not going to preach to people what we had a fishbowl and we took the fishbowl and people would just write down questions that were about religion. And it didn't necessarily even have to be like Christianity specific. Uh-huh. And we would just talk about them. We would just like go around the room. We would, and we made it anonymous. So that way it was like anonymous. And uh, we tried to make it like as welcoming as possible. We didn't want to make anyone feel dumb for like asking something basic or like quote unquote basic or yeah. um, something so like uh, controversial or whatever. And we would just have like have discussions about religion that um, honestly seems like yeah. the, the perfect church. Like if I was going to, was great. <laughs> if I was going to go to a church right now that was Christian. It would be like, like that's what I would create if I wanted to create one. Like, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah. And it was like, and it was so frustrating to me that we had gotten to that point. Cause I was just like, it, I was enraged. I was like, this is terrible that you guys are not doing this well. Like that you're not loving these people well mm-hmm. and that we need to create this separate space. Like it was infuriating to me. But um, like I said, after I brought people, because I had tried so many times to bring people and I was just like, they're just not accepted. They're not welcome. They're not treated as equals. Like, it's terrible. I'm sick of it. Created this group. It was really, really fun. And I think in those discussions, I started to realize that like other viewpoints weren't as, things weren't as um, like, Christianity didn't necessarily have all the right answers, I think. Because I was realizing that, like, especially from people that had, like, different religious backgrounds that came or different perspectives that came, I was realizing a lot of the flaws in our in our theology. And I think me, um, a lot of my study of the Bible was very personal. And it was just, like, me reading the Bible. It honestly didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, I was always just constantly looking for evidence that God loved me <laughs> um, and that, like, and like Jesus and like focusing on Jesus and blah, 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 blah. And, but then like hearing from like people who like knew Christians and like knew the faith, even like maybe more so than 
maybe I did and like hearing their problems with it and like kind of hearing them bring up like their qualms with Christianity and hearing that from people and me just being like, I actually have these qualms too, but I feel like I've never been able to externalize them because I've always been like too, um, like kind of focused on my own stuff and like focused on like trying to find this like love that wasn't existing and like just trying to fit in and just trying to, um, trying to like do, um, things to like be this great Christian and trying to get other people to see me as a good Christian. Cause I felt like I was always carrying this chip on my shoulder and I always just wanted people to see me as like a good Christian and like someone that really loved God. And, um, people just like didn't see me that way. But then I was realizing that I had been like so focused on that, that I didn't realize how much I actually had a problem with a lot of the things that, um, that like Christianity is like pillared on. <laughs> and, um, and in those discussions, I started like feeling internally um, that I was more in alliance with the atheist in the group than I was with the Christian tech, the quote unquote, the Christian side of things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and yeah, and I think that group was really good. And um, I do, unfortunately, I think I was still in the mindset of like, well, you know, Christianity does have, I was really obsessed with this book called, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. I hate it now. But at the time mm-hmm. I was yep. like, well, there's like apologetics for all of this and blah, 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 blah. But then like when yeah. I was having, when you have discussions with real people and you're not just like listening to someone that wrote something based on their intuition and not actually based on like fact, um, <laughs> cause that's like all apologetics is. It's just like, well, this feels true. And if I say it fancy, <laughs> then like, it sounds true. Um, it but is, it doesn't yeah. really have any like actual okay like, ben shapiro backing. <laughs> i know exactly like if you can speak something confidently enough it sounds true um and it does intuitively yeah. sound true and i think like for me because i was um looking at it from a biased point of view previously i was like oh yeah this makes sense this sounds so true like i yeah. can see how christianity is the right answer but then when we were actually having these conversations with real people and then like also seeing the effect that Christianity had had on real people and realizing that it was like not a positive one. And mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I was just like, why am I a part of this? Like I'm part of this. And um, I had always had a problem with evangelizing. Um, I got to go on a lot of free mission trips because I was like the sponsored kid. <laughs> so I did get to go on like mm-hmm. a, a lot of free mission trips. But um, part of the thing that I think got lab- me labeled as a rebel is like whenever we got paired off, I would tell my person, I was like, you know, I don't really feel like we should just talk to random people about God. I feel like we should just go hang out just have a good time <laughs> and like yeah. and i would get and then like depending on who i was with i think that would either be they would be relieved <laughs> or they would be like you're not doing the right thing <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. evangelism always felt wrong to me it, oh i was like this isn't you we don't know these people <laughs> and this i is know just, yeah and like what impact yeah, is one like, small conversation gonna make like i remember exactly. this I, I went on this one camp where uh <laughs> The last day we we paired off into big groups of like uh, 10-ish people and we went door to door in the surrounding neighborhoods to evangelize door to door. And this yeah. one guy specifically made an impact on me. He wasn't rude or anything, but we uh, knocked on his door a few times like mm-hmm. uh, when he didn't answer, came to the door and he was like, hey, um, yeah, I work night shift, so I'm sleeping right now. Mm-hmm. And uh 
So I'm going to go back to sleep. And I was like, yeah. okay, well, this is horrible. We just woke this dude yeah. up. He works night shift. He's grinding. And like, we ruined <laughs> his day probably just by like knocking on the door, asking to yeah. talk about Jesus. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. It like, was, what was the best possible outcome of that. Probably not anything good. It was awful. And I think for me, the perspective was, is um, a lot of times in my childhood, I had trauma dumped on people because they had like asked me all these questions, but then they didn't do anything to help me. And so mm -hmm. I think when we were evangelizing, I was like, I do not want to make someone share something really personal for me when I have no resources to give them. And there's going to be no follow up. And there's like, I don't want to drudge up something. And then like, cause I didn't want to abandon people like I had been abandoned. And that was like a very, yeah. that was something that was like, even before I even really recognized that I was like going against evangelist culture, that was, I think because it happened to me, I didn't want to make other people feel like that. And so I think that's why evangelism always felt wrong to me. Cause I was like, cause people, especially when I was with someone older, they train you how to get people to open up and they yeah. train you how to get people to like, basically just share their trauma with you. And I was just like, that feels wrong. <laughs> um, I don't want to do that. And, um, and yeah, it was just, it was just, it always felt weird to me. I didn't yeah. like it. It sounds like you were incredibly yeah. empathetic and like, <laughs> mature in that way. I mean, yeah. I'm just thinking about empathy too. Like a lot of people, a lot of Christians who love evangelism make jokes about or don't like Jehovah's mm -hmm. Witnesses coming to their door, you know, like, like they get They're pissed the off at that. Thing. Yeah. And so I'm like, can't you have the, like, they don't have the empathy though to realize that when they're telling someone yeah. about Jesus, it's the same exact thing. Yeah. And it was always funny because I was always told when we talked about spiritual gifts, I was always like, they're always like, you're so empathetic and you're so wise. And I'm like, well, the only reason I'm quote unquote wise is because I've actually, most of you guys, I mean, I went to Miami. Most of them have never been through something, no offense, never been through anything hard in their lives. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I just appear wise to you because I like have lived in the real world <laughs> and like seen real, real problems um, and like have had to reckon with that or, um, but yeah, like evangelism just always felt wrong and I hated it and I wouldn't do it. And like sometimes, like especially with crew, because crew is very focused on evangelizing. Um, I always got the side eye for that. Um, but yeah, when we started this group, this bad Christians group, the crew started like telling people specifically about me. They're like, don't get discipled by Ash. Don't because she'll lead you away from the faith and she'll lead <laughs> you away from crew. Because I was telling people like yeah. when I would disciple people, I told them I was like, I think evangelism is wrong. I don't think you should do it. And I was like, you should mm. focus on like being a good person and like loving other people and like trying to meet the needs of people around you. And if you don't have the capacity to have a relationship with someone, don't like, don't, don't share anything about Jesus. It's it because it's, it's not worth it. Like, and also I felt like that was how it was modeled in the Bible as well because it was like discipleship was like this lifelong relationship. And I was like, if you don't want to be friends with this person forever, don't like go and try to like yeah. drudge up all this stuff about them. Like it's not doing anyone, anyone good. And also um, I remember specifically I was discipling someone and their roommate was gay. And at this point I was very open about the fact I came, I came out as bi, but um, that was kind of like a cover of my own ass. <laughs> Um, but, um, I was very open about the fact that I didn't agree with, um, like, um, ostracizing gay people. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think that, um, being gay was a sin. I just didn't think it was. 
it didn't make sense to me. Um, again, like, I feel like I'm one of those people that I'm like, you can like read the Bible and if you want to look for homophobic texts, you can find them, but you can also find, um, you can also find texts justifying slavery. You can also find texts justifying rape. Yeah. And it's like, if you are going to either hold the Bible, all of it to the same standard or look at it through a dynamic lens and like, think about what is best serving us as a society. Um, because I always thought of the book, I always thought of the Bible as like a book of wisdom. And it's like, you have to have like, and this is back. I'm not a Christian anymore, but at the time I was like, you know, um, you have to have the Holy spirit to interpret for you. And like, whatever is the most loving thing, you should always err on the side of love rather than like on the side of legalism. Cause like literally mm. Jesus called people out for being too yeah. legalistic. And like one of Jesus's key phrases was you've heard it been said, but I say to you, and he was constantly flipping scripture on his head. Like that was his key like thing. Like, yeah. And I was like, why would you choose the side of, hurting people. And I remember specifically this girl that I was discipling, she came to me about her roommate that was gay. And she was like, what should I do about it? I was like, there's, you don't need to do anything about it. Like, there's no, like, hmm. it doesn't matter. Like, it's fine. <laughs> like, like there's no crisis here. And to them, it was like this crisis of like, they had to like somehow fix their roommate. And I was like, I kind of was like, I mean, you have sin in your life. If you, I was like, even if you think it's a sin, like, how is it any different than anything you're struggling with? And why do you feel the need to like correct them on it? Because even though in my mind it wasn't a sin, I was like, even if you do think it's a sin, like it's not your job to call to like correct them. It's not your job to fix them unless they specifically like ask you that they like want help on something. Don't like, that's not your job. <laughs> like, <laughs> like God didn't say go out and fix everybody. <laughs> like that's just, you know, like don't worry about it. Just do you and love them the best that you can and like be accepting. Um, but yeah, so I started this group and I think I honestly, I wonder if that might've been the conversation that was then getting back to like the leaders that I was like saying the wrong things. <laughs> and um, I was saying that evangelism wasn't good. And I was saying that like gay people are fine. <laughs> and, um, and it was funny because no one ever said anything directly to me. It was like someone else that told me they're like, oh yeah, like they had like a meeting about like telling people <laughs> to not like to not go see, to not get advice from you and to not like get discipled by you. Cause like, I also ran my discipleship, like however I wanted to mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and like, didn't follow, like they gave us like these guides for how to disciple and like, this like, like a booklet that we were supposed to follow. And I was just like, this yeah. is stupid. Um, we're not doing that. <laughs> um, and instead of coming so, to yeah. you directly, of course, they would, uh, <laughs> of course they yeah, would it was just like all the stuff behind, behind my back. back. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it was funny because like, by the time I actually found out that the, like that kind of stuff was being said about me, I had already left at that point because my senior year, um, I was fed up. I was really fed up with the organization of crew. Um, I w had gone, I think the breaking point for me is I went on a missions trip to Tennessee. We lived there for the whole summer and I'd met this girl. She's like one of my best friends from Texas and we we're subjected to like, um, it was like fundamental, like all the fundam fundamentalness of like crew that's like kind of like thickly veiled in college because like you kind of have to in a college space. Mm -hmm. it, um, the veil kind of came off and it was like more rigid and it was like very much more so they could be more strict about imposing all these rules. I literally have an email that was sent to all the women about like all these rules that we had to follow to not cause our brothers to stumble. And, yeah. um, 
Aren't they Baptist? Are they Baptist? I don't know. I think they're. I I think they're not. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, I think they have the Baptist theology pretty much. Yeah. 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 They're they're definitely very purity culture heavy. Yeah. I know. It's very like Baptist adjacent. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up Baptist, so it was all very familiar to me. But I think that summer being in that pressure cooker and um, we were doing things every single night, like doing some type of ministry related thing every night. And me and Marcy, my roommate, we were the only people that had jobs that, cause everybody had to have a job, but we were the only people that were working five days out of the week, like Monday through yeah. Friday. And so um, I remember telling them, I was like, I'm like a few weeks in the summer. I was like, Hey, I'm not going to come to this thing tonight. I am tired. Like I just need some time to myself. I'm an introvert. Like, I've been going and going and going. I need a break. And they told me, like, they shamed me for, like, taking a break. They were like, you really shouldn't skip things. Like, this is really an important time for community. And I was like, fuck you guys. I'm taking a break. Like, I didn't say it meanly, but I was just like, I'm sorry, but I'm taking this break. Like, because she was trying to talk me out of it. I was like, I'm taking this break. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, And it was just things like that all summer where – it brought all of the extremes of what I had been unconsciously subscribing to, to the surface made me realize just how awful they were and, um, and how toxic the culture was because I think being in that pressure cooker really just like you really saw it for what it was because it was, it was not veiled anymore because you were, and especially since it was in Tennessee, um, it was even, I think, um, it was just more so like it was everything that was happening in crew, but like to a extended level because you're also like in the South and it's like more fundamentalist there. But like, I was like, dang, like this, not, like this is making me realize like all the flaws and all the things that I'm believing and um, that it's not helping people, it's hurting people. And <laughs> our whole like mission was to talk to these J one students. So like these people that would get a visa and work in Gatlinburg for the summer because it has a lot of summer work mm. and we're supposed to befriend them and then eventually convert them or um, whatever. We would like host these events <laughs> and we would advertise them as like game nights or movie nights. And it would be like the Jesus film <laughs> or like, yeah. or yeah. like, um, like game nights that were like spiritual games. <laughs> and it was so uh-huh. manipulative and I hated it. And like from like the first, like me and Marcy Bonnie were like, this is, so manipulative and like because these people were coming to like find connection and make friends because like they're just here for the summer they don't know anybody like trying to like hang out and then we're just like trying to spiritually manipulate them and they literally gave us a talk at the beginning of the mission of how to get around people's cultural differences not so that you could understand um like while their perspectives are different it was to defeat their perspective so it was like oh these people are coming from like this eastern mindset so here's how to like get around that so that way we can give them like our mindset and how it's different and how it's better. like it was it was yeah. like how to understand different cultures so that way you could then like overtake the, like colonialism you could then them. yeah basically Incredibly it was literally like teaching us to like colonize yeah. people <laughs> it was awful and that mission trip was honestly i think the breaking point for me so that was the mission trip my junior year going into my senior year and going into my senior year i was like I, I was still holding on. Jesus was the last thing that I let go of. Um, but going into my senior year, 
I was just like, I'm done with this organization. I have given mm. my all to this organization and I was never accepted. I was never treated as an equal. I was used as this prop to make um, a lot of white men feel good about themselves because they were helping me. Um, because like I, there was like this group of guys that had um, kind of like taken me in and like, let me like, um, like let me stay with them. And, um, they had like an extra room that they, they, like a couch that they would let me crash out, stuff like that. And I was really just the person that made them feel like, Oh, they were such good people. Look at us helping this poor mm-hmm. girl. <laughs> and like, um, and they'd always be like, Oh, we've learned so much from you. And like, <laughs> Like you've taught us so much about empathy and like all this different stuff. And I was like, I do not exist to make mm. you feel good about yourself. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. So, and I think my reaction being the stubborn person that I am is I doubled down on my knowledge of scripture and um, my understanding of Jesus. And I tried so hard to debate with my Christian friends on like, basically <laughs> like how, narrow-minded a lot of like their um like in practice like how they were being and how it was affecting people and I was like do you not see that even if like you are like part you are participating in this and like you're part of this mm-hmm. and like you're still not you're still not like recognizing it um and how like the things that you were saying actually don't line up with scripture um because like I feel like my reaction to things is um like I always, I just like, I always revert to research. I'm just like, I'm like, if I can find out everything, because again, I think also like having that chip on my shoulder, I was like, I have to know everything about this that way. Like if I'm ever in an argument, I can be like ready. I can um, have all these, like all my like rebuttals ready to go. And like, they'll take me seriously because I've done my research and that just like, wasn't the case. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like, also, yeah. I spent, yeah. <laughs> well, just emp- empathetic, passionate, and well researched is not a good combination for staying in Christianity and the church. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. And I think I was so stubborn my senior year. I was so stubborn because I was so convinced that I could, if I was researched enough, if I was articulate enough, then I could. Because um, I thought in my heart that like these were good people deep down. They just like, you know, don't realize what they're doing kind of thing. Um, and they don't realize how it's harmful to people like me. And like, I might be, I think since they were all in their Christian bubbles, I think to me, I was like kind of being this representative of a, I, I don't want to say minority, like, but like kind of like a minority to them, like of being that close in relationship to someone that had like a background that I did, um, and had like the experiences that I had. And that wasn't person of the LGBTQ community. I feel like I was like, sadly enough like one of the most like diverse people in the friend group um because everyone looked the same (laughs) everyone was from the same background and I was like if they can't empathize with me and I've been friends with them for the past like four years they are never gonna empathize with anyone that they might be then inflicting this like same pain onto um or like the same bad theology onto um, cause at this point I was starting to recognize again. Um, I think I had always unfortunately defaulted, like defaulted to, um, buying into the conservativist Christian kind of idea. And, um, especially like when 2020, um, when like the racial tension happened 
literally the leader of our organization um, told us that we shouldn't be so quick to hop onto Black Lives Matter because it's a secular movement. And um, and like a pastor like gave a speech at our organization that was like politically neutral and they were mad that he hadn't encouraged them to vote for Trump. And like, <laughs> just because he had been neutral about it and like, yeah. <laughs> and at that point I was just wreck I was just starting to see that like I was fighting a beast. I I was fighting against something that was bigger than me and that I, I couldn't change by myself. And I was starting to realize that I was kind of just throwing my head up against the wall. Cause I think up until then I had some type of belief in me that like I could start this change and if we could change this one group, then it could like, you know. Like I had this hope that Christianity could like kind of be reformed and um, churches could do better. Christians could do better. Um, and yeah, like I really believed that and I was really trying to advocate for that. And I was trying again with that, like bad Christians, I was trying to create those spaces. I was trying to like show that it could be different. And I think people liked to flirt with it and like to like, they would like come maybe to like a meeting one time and it was like fun for them. But at the end of the day, Christians have this idea that their mindset is correct and they are never, it is never a conversation with a Christian. It is always a debate. It's never like, um, it's never just like, let's have a discussion. It is, let's have a discussion. So then I can show you how I'm right. Or, um, and I think when, even when I was in like those, like kind of more like apologetic, it was just like, I realized a lot of Christians, they're so convinced that Christianity is the right answer. And they seem like, oh, like, um, if you look at all of the religions, like Christianity is the one that makes sense. And here's all these reasons for it. But really all that they've done is they've found other people that have the same beliefs of them that write books like I don't have enough faith to be an atheist mm -hmm. and that reaffirm their own beliefs about the world. Mm -hmm. And they just find those people and they latch onto them. And there's like, see, look, this person, no, this person shows it. Or like Ravi Zacharias. And they'll be like, see, look at all like, you know, see everything that they've said that like proves Christianity without actually really looking for evidence of Christianity outside of the Bible. I think like most Christians, they only look for things that affirm what they already believe rather than being like, is there evidence for, for Christianity outside of scripture? Because if it's true, then there should be. You take away the Bible, like as your platform for circular reasoning, is there any other evidence to, mm -hmm. to support it? And the answer yeah. is like overwhelmingly, in my opinion, no, <laughs> um, yeah. for like, for a lot of things. Um, I, like I like, I remember believing my whole life that Moses was like a historical person. Like I thought that he was like a mm -hmm. historical figure and he's not, <laughs> he's just not <laughs> um, there. Yeah. I'm reading, I read this book and it was talking about how Moses was most likely a story that was created to unite, um, to, to unite Judaism in order to like um, have a common history and to like bring them like two like groups of people together and to yeah. kind of give them this like shared story. Yeah, um, like like founding yeah. myths that that create and help sustain like a culture are super important to culture, mm -hmm. you know. But yeah, 
that does just because they're important to culture and to history doesn't mean that they are fact and that they're accurate yeah. of what happened. Yeah. And it's crazy once you're out of the echo chamber, how much you realize it was just an echo. Like it was just like people just constantly, it's like com you're living your life through a lens of confirmation bias. You're constantly attributing everything to like, oh, look how that's, this is affirming of my belief system um, and spiritualizing everything. Like, oh my God, like everything is either a blessing from God or a lesson from God. Like, it, and there's and like, yeah, it can never be anything else. Like it's always, everything's intentional. And it's mm -hmm. like, I think for me as like someone who had a lot of trauma, like I, it was really hard for me, especially when, when I was kind of getting more into like a healing process, I was like, there was no reason for this. There, nothing yeah. good came out of this. Um, yeah. you can say it gave me perspective. You can say it gave me wisdom, but like, I would give it all back and you can keep the wisdom perspective, <laughs> whatever you want to say that I have this caused irreparable damage that I caused to myself and others. And, um, it took years of my life from me. Like I said, there's years of my life that I don't remember because of how much trauma I had been through. And there's actions that I took as a result of that, that caused me to hurt other people and caused me to hurt myself. Um, and there's nothing that anyone can say to me. That's going to be like, happened for a reason. <laughs> like, no, <Yeah. laughs> if anything, that mindset kept me trapped in my trauma longer, because like I said, I was in that cycle of like, um, I have to make something good come out of this. This has to be for a reason or, um, or using it in the other sense of like, well, all this bad stuff happened to me. It must be because I'm a terrible person. Um, or like in my interactions with men that were negative, I would be like, well, this must have happened to me because there's something wrong with me. Um, and so mm -hmm. if anything, the Christian belief in God and believing in the sovereignty of God, if anything kept me in that damaged place longer, it prevented me from getting the help I needed sooner. Um, because I constantly thought that God should be enough and that, um, if I just did the right things then I would be healed. And if I just prayed long enough and, uh, whatever, like God would send some dude to fix me eventually. <laughs> um, and that was never going to happen. <laughs> it was never, it was just, it was never going to, that was never going to happen. Um, so yeah, yeah, just it was just nothing. Nothing good came out. Nothing good came out of. Um, no, of course. Of <laughs> yeah, no, and that's so harmful to to think that. Yeah. yeah. Um. No, I know we do have to be wrapping up soon. I believe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, th there was so much there. Like, I wish. I mean, this could go on for so long. Like, I, I have so many different yeah. avenues and like questions we could take this. But um, yeah. I mean, first yeah. of all, just th thank you for like sharing all that that you did. I think that um. I mean, it was vulnerable and, and I think it's really important, you know, the, I want to just call back to what you said at the very beginning about not doing the no true Scotsman fallacy, not saying not all Christians or not my church. Um, you know, I, from my experience, basically every church that I've been in, especially the ones that are in the evangelicalism, like umbrella, all ha have very much the same systemic and individual issues that you mm -hmm. said. Um, yeah. Some of them are better at hiding it than others, or some of them make it sound mm -hmm. 
uh, less legalistic for certain things, but mm-hmm. it's gonna it's gonna be there. So if you are yeah. a Christian listening to this, I would encourage you to look for those. Um, yeah, and I am so tired of Christians acting asking people to feel safe in spaces that have been historically unsafe for people like me and for claiming that this is a place that people can go to feel love when it is not like if you want to be your little club or whatever that's fine don't claim to be the safe space don't ask me to feel safe in a place where i've been historically unsafe um because it's just never going to happen (laughs) like, um, until, until if it, until a church does some real work and like, you know, dismantling all of these like negative belief patterns and these negative systems that they have in place, people aren't going to feel safe there. And you should, and you shouldn't try to convince them that they should feel that way. Cause, um, I think that was something that I had some regrets about is I would pull people into this, you know, those Christian spaces, expecting them to find community there. And then Mm -hmm. I would end up in like, exposing them to harm and yeah so <laughs> stop asking people to go to church <laughs> oh, <definitely. laughs> yeah. oh my gosh um well ash i know you've already said like kind of what you want to say to christians for the most part but um what would you say then to wrap this up to um people that may find themselves uh on somewhat of a similar journey as we've all had where, you know, either they don't fully identify with the church or with Christianity, or or they're somewhere in the broader deconstruction community, um, and are listening and looking for a place, wandering, hopefully. Looking for for a place, wandering, hopefully. Um, <laughs> I think the hardest thing for me to let go of was Jesus because I think um, in my story, Jesus was always the um, lifeline that I, like I always saw him as a lifeline. I always saw him as the savior in my life. And I want people to realize that um, this deconstructing Jesus isn't as, it doesn't have to be, um, it's okay. It's going to be okay. <laughs> um, it is okay to like, um, cause that was the hardest thing for me was letting go of that last piece. And, um, I was always taught that you either had to see Jesus as God or he was crazy. Um, and that's not true. And honestly, like Jesus didn't even really outright claim to be God. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, believing Believing in a deity, I think, is at its best a false comfort, and at, at its worst, it is a excuse to enact harm on yourself and others. Mm-hmm. And giving up the false comfort of a god is really, really scary at first, but I think you'll find that once you do so, embracing the idea that um, life is kind of just chaotic is honestly kind of freeing in a way because it gives you so much more autonomy. It gives you autonomy back in the sense that you're like, I, if I want to be um, a healthy person, like I have to take that responsibility to be a healthy person. If I want to be a loving person, it has to be because I want to be a loving person. Um, and, you know, bad things are always going to happen and like things are always going to be chaotic. 
but um all that you're in control of is like what you do and like who you surround yourself by and life is so so short and I think something that we get trapped into is like this idea of like oh like cosmic justice is going to fix things and it's not so I feel like it gives us like gives us the autonomy back of like we want things to be better we have to be better like we have to (laughs) like if we want you know we want justice for the world we need to advocate for each other. We need to like stand up for one another. We need to listen mm-hmm. to like all of these communities. Like um, honestly, if you're in the deconstructing space for Christianity, I would encourage you to listen to people of color because honestly, they have been doing the work of deconstruction on a much deeper level <laughs> for so much longer. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I think like for us, like Christian leaving Christianity is like the closest we will ever get to like having to recognize like um, a harmful system that has like harmed us. But like, imagine like a person of color where it's like, you know, you can't just like leave, <laughs> leave like uh, the world. <laughs> um, like we can leave the church, but like they are like constantly um, yeah, like acknowledging like those oppressive systems and recognizing it and like well-versed in that deconstruction work. So I would think just like, listening to um if you're someone that's like scared of like dismantling you know your christianity like go into those spaces because it's going to give you so much encouragement um because those people are like doing the work and like you can do the work too and it's um yeah it's worth it i think yeah (laughs) ash do you want to shout out any of your socials if you want to you don't have Um, to yeah um if you want to see i have some poems on deconstruction on my instagram if you want to read them um uh so ash n kingsland it's just ash my middle initial which is n and then kingsland just like it sounds um i just started a tiktok but i'm too embarrassed to share that (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying to get into painting again so i'm trying to like next time force myself to make paintings Yep. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Uh, If you want to follow Hopefully Wandering Podcast, we got Instagram. We got Twitter. There's some spicy stuff on that Twitter. There's some spicy stuff on our TikTok. Yeah. 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 We're trying to get into TikTok. So follow us there. (laughs) Collier's Collier's killing that game. He's, I mean, you're the one with all the views, Collier. (laughs) I try, you know, sometimes. Yeah. Um, All the views on my one, uh, on my one little stupid edit that has nothing to say (laughs) it's one tiktok that blew up yeah um uh if you don't mind dear listeners please give us a good rating especially on spotify i think after i just looked at our apple music for the first time in a long time we got like three one-star ratings guys (laughs) please help us out right now yeah some some of the mad people are uh, are rating us really low so (laughs) So if you like this, I could at least give us like a four or something. You know? <laughs> right, Don't guys. vote. <laughs> out here doing the work, man. <laughs> All right, Ash. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, no problem. All right, guys. Thanks for All having right, me. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>